Welcome back to the Cover Zero podcast. I'm your host tonight, Jordan, joined first and foremost by Jay. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm feeling a lot better after my Raiders, you know, came up with a win, man. It feels good to be back in that win column. Indeed. Indeed it does. Uh, very nice to return to that side of that side of the column as as well as I enjoyed it myself. Corday also joining us tonight. How you doing, sir? Doing well, man. Doing well. You know, six and zero, baby. Felt weird not seeing my wow. team play, but we had we had a bye, so you know, it was just surprised you didn't say, yeah, we won the bye week. You know how we do, it. yeah, like yeah. That, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> now I'm, I'm my team, not a loser, so you know. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, yeah. I see you. Yeah, it's our week eight preview show coming at you. We got three games on the docket to review. Of course, on Tuesday, you already know that we're coming at you with Chase. He will be joining us after we get to our first topic of the evening, which is the Thursday night football game between the four and three Ravens heading down south of Tampa to take on the three and four Bucks, who, despite some issues, are still first in the NFC South as are these Ravens tied with the Bengals as well with the same record, but they have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So, Jay, I'm going to start with you, man. I've got a question about this squad as we go ahead and examine this game. Mm-hmm. Are these two teams that haven't – two? how about I put this? Are these two good teams that haven't been playing well, or are they simply not as good as we thought they might be? I'll say – that's a good question. I'll say Tampa Bay is not as good as we thought they might be. I, I just think it's too much going on with them. The Ravens, you know, I'll actually say the same thing with the Ravens, too. I, You know, I mean, they both teams have their flaws. I think Tampa Bay has bigger flaw, bigger flaws than I thought they would coming into this season. Um, I, I do think the whole situation that's going on with Brady, I think that that's playing a factor as well um, into his play. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I just feel like even the play calling, I, I don't, you know, I, I like, you know, Leftwich. And, you know, I was hoping he got a job this past, you know, head coaching gig. But I don't know. I haven't really been too big on the play calling, you know. And um, the offensive line is just banged up, is or just not, or they lost uh, players, not necessarily banged. Well, kind of banged up, but really yeah. lost players. So I mean, you know, they're really dealing with a lot more. So they, I don't think they're as good as as we thought they, you know, thought they were coming into the season. The Ravens are pretty good still. I just think they really have to just they have to play a full sixty minutes. I mean, we For were sure. saying this back in week one. You know, they have the talent. You know, I mean, they can improve on certain areas, certain players and whatnot, you know, next offseason. But for the most part, this is still a real talented team and a team that shouldn't be letting teams get back into it, you know, in the second half. It just seemed like it's a steady thing for them, you know. But, yeah, I, I would say you could use that for both of them. They're not as good as we thought, but Tampa Bay for sure. I mean, it's it's ugly for them. Yeah, it's it's not looking pretty over there. The Ravens mainly, just like you brought up, 100%. Blowing leads in each of their three losses so far. They were up 20 to 10 against the Giants just a couple weeks ago. Ended up losing that one. Up 20 to 3 late in the second quarter against Buffalo. Lost that game 23 to 20. That was the Bills' biggest comeback over in the last, what, last decade? And then, of course, we all remember the fourth quarter debacle against Miami down in South Beach. They were up 35 to 14 with yeah, under was- 13 minutes left. And poof, poof, away it went. Uh, Corday, right now, as you look at this matchup, what are you going to be mostly keying on when you tune the game on on Thursday night? Uh, I'm going to see like if the Tampa Bay offense can get going. I know they struggled against the Carolina Panthers, and everyone's like, you struggle against the Carolina Panthers? Um, I think always being a division rival, 
I think it always helps, like, if you get upset by a team, even though no matter how bad they're playing, even though they fired their coach and traded a few people. I think that's why it's more of a reasonable upset of why it happened. But ever since the drop that Evans had in that beginning of the game where it looked like it was going to be a walk-in. Nobody in the screen but him and the ball. Well, nobody. Uh, walked-in touchdown. Like, literally, they couldn't score or get close after that. They didn't get into a field goal range until, like, the end of the game. So I want to see how this offense comes out. And then also, if they can run the ball, which surprisingly, this Tampa Bay Bucks team hasn't been able to run it. It is so bad. <laughs> Third and one. Okay, here we go. Leonard Fournette about to stuffed. Whoa. <laughs> he needs to run better too, bro. That's another thing. I, he needs to run better, but. For sure, yeah. yeah I mean, he's he's poop right now. It's let's just let's just be honest about it. It's they are thirty first in rush yeah. success rate. Leonard Fournette is himself out of all the running backs. Yeah. Forty eight in first downs per rush. Just like you were saying, Corday, short yardage, second mm-hmm. worst in short yardage conversion rate on the season. It's and, awful. And with a beast of a running back like Leonard Fournette, you would never think, oh, we can't pick up short yardage. <laughs> we can't pick up a yard with a big back like Leonard Fournette, who's who's been known to run over guys and get the tough hard yards and things like that. So I'm just like, what the hell is going on here in Tampa? And then definitely uh, Tom's off-field stuff isn't happening, helping the uh, case as well. But then also I'm looking over to the Ravens team, and I'm trying to see, let's see if they get out to a hot, fast start. Will they be able to uh, close out the game? Because that's been their main problem. Like, they keep giving up huge leads, like against, against Miami, against Buffalo. And it gets a few other teams. So I'm like, okay, um, who is this team? Like uh, you said, are they worse than what we thought they were? I thought the receiving core wouldn't be as good, but they came out looking good. Um, so I guess they're, they are worse off than we thought. Like we didn't think that this defense, with everybody coming back, being healthy, mm-hmm. will be giving up like all these deep passes, can't stop anything. Like might have been concerned about um, the pass rush. So they signed JPP and. Uh, and Houston, who are guys in their mid <laughs> mid thirties, so they're kind of like, okay, I can see that part, but the whole defense not being able to do anything—that's the oh, I didn't see this coming, uh, especially mm-hmm. with the coverage guys back there, like Marlon Humphrey and Peters is giving up big plays. So I'm just like, oh, didn't see that happening at all. Mm-hmm. Josiah, what do you think the main keys for whichever team you have winning, or what do you think the keys to this game are going to be as it kicks off? I think for Tampa Bay, uh, Corday brought it up. I think it starts with the run game. I mean, they have to run the ball. And, I mean, collectively, the old line has to play better. They have to block better. The play calling has to be better. I don't even think they're trying to run the ball that much. I mean, if you look at the attempts of Leonard, Leonard Fournette, he couldn't even really get going. Mm-hmm. And then when he's getting the rock, like Corday said, he's not even really – I don't know, it just don't seem like he was really – you know, in just the last few weeks, really this year so far, he just hasn't really looked himself. So, you know, um, I, I think about when you talk about the short yardage, Cordae, that's a that's a great point because he is he's normally solid. You know, he likes to run over, you know, defenders. You look at that third down, that third and one, and then they went for it on fourth and one. It just seemed like, you know, it just it, he could have ran. It's it felt like, you know, he kind of when he once he got tackled, he just went down. You know, he didn't even mm-hmm. try to try to, you know, get that extra yard. And I just he don't was like seem the like sledgehammer for so long, and now he's not that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know that. To me, that don't make no sense. So really just I think the key for Tampa Bay really is really to run the rock, keep keep Baltimore off the off the field, you know, keep Lamar and Jackson and them cold and really try to, you know, run the rock. And then 
with with Tom Brady, I just think he's he's having way too too many attempts, bro. And I think they're relying a lot on him. You know, you look over the last few weeks here, 40 attempts, 40, 45 to 50 some attempts. I mean, it's just been so I don't know. They did the whole offense just looked out of sync from from everybody. Like I said, the play calling from the line blocking, you know, and and I don't understand how they really expect the passing game really to open up like that if the run game is not going. So I, you know, and and you know, I so I, I don't know. And in 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 my opinion too, with this game too, since Baltimore is a team that can put up a lot of points and put them up quick, you kind of want to have a slower paced game with them. And the best way to do that is to run. So that would be the key for Tampa Bay. As far as the Ravens, man, they just we talked about it. You know, they they just they start off hot, and for whatever reason, man, they come down and and it's either like you like you said, Corday Mar- uh, Marlon Humphreys or Peters, somebody's giving up a big play, and you know then it just after that that team that they're playing just gains confidence. After that, it just seemed like you know the, the Baltimore, and then sometimes on Baltimore too they. They'll have a fumble or something will happen, you know. And then here come the other team, you know, we get, get, you know, that confidence back going, you know, the momentum and everything. So what's happened against the Browns too, just last week. Yeah. And they almost lost. It's crazy because they almost lost that game. You know, mm-hmm. it was almost a tie. You know, it would have been a tie game had uh, their kicker made it, you know, and, and, and it ended up going to Baltimore's favor. But it's just a lot of that. Ha- it's a lot of that happening. And um, I don't, you know, they really just need to really play a full 60 minutes. I, I think that's where that's what needs to happen. Their key is playing a full 60 minute of football. I mean, it maybe maybe they need to run the ball a little uh, a little bit. But see, even then, you know, they had some fumbles. Maybe they need to run the ball, kind of slow the game down a little bit maybe in the uh, second half and not try to be too explosive. I don't know. Somewhere, you know, <laughs> they need to find out how they can just play full 60 minutes on both sides of the ball and don't allow the team to really come back. Because although Tampa Bay is, you know, struggling right now on offense, We've seen them get hot. We've seen them get hot and put up a, a, you know, we've seen what they did with the Chiefs. You know, Chiefs whooping on them and whatnot, and they started to kind of little, you know, make a little comeback. And that could happen versus Baltimore Raven team, and they can end up, you know, winning this game, taking this game away from the Ravens. So I think, you know, as far as the keys for Tampa Bay, they need to they need to focus on running the ball, better play calling, and and uh, better blocking. And then with the Ravens. Just need to play a full sixty minutes of football, man. That's 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 what they need to do. Put pressure on Tom Brady. You know the all the old line is weak. Missing the players that they're missing, especially the center Ryan Jensen. That that's hurting the team. You know, so put pressure on them. And they and it's crazy because because the Ravens is not a team really. It's not like they're getting a bunch of sacks or anything like that. But I think. I think they could, you know, they could they could heat up in this game, you know. So I think yeah, the, they they heated up a little bit in that Cleveland game, like yeah, they did more than. But you're right, throughout the course of the year, they haven't been like a sack heavy team. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is the perfect this is the perfect matchup right now where they could they could definitely heat up in this in this game right here because we all know Tom Brady's not a QB who's you know going to be scrambling and running around or anything like that. The O line we I just mentioned the O line's not blocking that well, you know. So this is the perfect opportunity for them to take advantage of. So those would be my keys. Okay. Corday, what's your final score? And how does it happen? 24, 20. I got the Ravens in this. Uh, I feel like it's going to be close. But then, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to go 24, 17. I think the Tampa Bay's uh, offensive struggles will continue in this game, especially on a short week to try to quickly turn around stuff. Uh, 
Gus Edwards has, well, only, not even another week, just a few extra days coming back from that torn ACL, which, and Dobbins is just, was just had knee surgery again, which I always thought was weird that Dobbins came back before Edwards did, and they both got torn ACLs like a week apart. Like, it's like very weird to me. But uh, Edwards looked good in there. Kenyon Drake, former Raider and Arizona Cardinal, is over there, probably get some more touches. And he's been so up and down this year. It's like, it's so weird. What was it, like two weeks ago? He was averaging 10 yards a pop. Yep, yep. Then like last week, he get like 11 carries and have five total yards. Like, I don't even know what to do with that. I don't know either. And I was watching the game. They really didn't utilize him. And I think because Gus Edwards was back, they used him more as the main guy. And then they used Justice, Justice Hill. And yeah. then they used Drake. Just I think he, I don't even think he had that many carries. I think he had like five carries. Something like that. It was, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, so what's the week before a fluke? Like, what what is this? Like, what? So maybe the, the three headed, the well four headed monster, including Lamar, of them running and then play action. Andrews, uh, and then also your boy uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be out this game too. Jay, what uh, concussion? Mm-hmm. So yep, uh, I did see that's, that. That's uh, going to play a part in uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks secondary. So I got the Ravens, um, but I feel like it's be. It'll be 17 because they'll probably give a late touchdown. So, <laughs> But I think the Ravens should have this game uh, traveling to Tampa Bay, 24-17. 24-17. Ravens are favored by one and a half as we record on Tuesday. Josiah, same question to you, the final score, and how does it happen? I got – give me the Ravens 33 and Tampa Bay, I'm going to say – I'm going to say 24, Tampa Bay. And it may be less because I do think this offense is going to continue to struggle. They just, you know, it just, like I said, across the board, I mean, it's, it, you know, they, and then with them, you know, maybe it was against Carolina. Maybe they just felt like, you know, they had the game in the bag, but just the mm-hmm. uncharacteristic type of drops, you know, mm-hmm. from Mike Evans and just, I mean, it's, I don't know. You know, and then I think Evans pulled up, like, I think it's like he hurt his hamstring last week or the week before. So he's out there hobbled too on a short week. So that's not going to be, Exactly good for him, like, resting up, trying to be explosive in this game. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. And that's that's the thing, too. They deal with a lot of injuries, especially, you know, their, their weapons. And, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they stay dealing with injuries. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just I just don't see it, man. And I think this is – and it's crazy because Tampa Bay was one of those teams where I felt like, okay, you know, they could – you know, they, they're they going to be pretty good this year. You know, they're going to be one of the better teams in the NFC. I had them in the Rams and, you know, neither team. You know, it just looks that good at all. You know, in Tampa Bay, to me, their their struggles just—it's like you you it's, you you could point at a whole bunch of different things with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Some of these other teams, you know, okay, oh, they got to fix this or have to fix that. You know, but with Tampa Bay, it's like it's it's a it's a few different things on that team that's really alarming. If I'm a Tampa Bay fan, so for sure, yeah, I got the Ravens 33-24. 3324. I well to make it a clean sweep for the Ravens. I just I'm with you guys. I don't see how we can all pick the Bucks or anyone really could outside of being a Tampa Bay fan. Beyond what we were also talking about, I think there's gonna be some injuries. Uh Corday, you alluded to Logan or uh, to uh Antoine Winfield who had the concussion. They also have Logan Ryan, the other safety who's been stepping up for him since he came over to replace Jordan Whitehead. He just had foot surgery, so he's not gonna be playing. Sean Murphy Bunting, who often mans the slot for them at least when Winfield is not out there. He's missed the last two weeks with a quad injury. Carlton Davis has a hip injury. So basically you only have Jamel Dean as the familiar guy in that secondary. 
going against a Raven offense that's going to be trotting out. You know, we've seen what Rashad Bateman can do now that he's back in the fold. Devin Duvernay has been a nice surprise piece for them. And Mark Andrews has been one of the most effective tight ends for the last couple of years in the NFL. But even more particular down to the trenches, we were talking about the issues that we've seen with the offensive line for Tampa. Luke Gadecki, their rookie left guard, and even Donovan Smith, last several games, he can't seem to make it's almost like he's like his his sets don't look the same. He's normally just been a very reliable left tackle. And his his ability in the run in the run game, he's just been able to not seem to sustain any type of contact going against defenders. And that's where I think Calais Campbell, Justin Matabuike, and Justin Houston are going to be able to have a nice day against those dudes. And surprisingly enough, and I was checking the numbers on Brady because particularly in that Panthers game, and almost seemingly all year, he hasn't been the same guy in the pocket. He's always been that guy that can stand in the pocket and with such calculated movement, find the, the creases and the spaces to step into the throw and really just navigate it without being necessarily the most athletic dude. But this year, it just hasn't been there. And he has now the average, his average time to throw in the NFL is the shortest among all of the starting quarterbacks in the league. So he's throwing the ball. It's t- he's getting rid of the ball quicker, and he's even throwing shorter. He's not bombing it down the field like he has since he's came into this Bruce Arians or slash Byron Leftwich offense. So it just everything just with how bad Leonard Fournette's been, how that has looked, it's just led to this Bucks offense being bad. And right now, they have a 9% conversion rate on third down, 4 of 43 on third and long this year. It's just been, everything has just looked gross. The Ravens, on the other hand, as far as Baltimore goes, they're still a top, a top five rushing attack in the league right now. Fourth in rushing first downs in the NFL. Fifth in rushing yards per game. And Tampa Bay normally has been one of the, if not the best run defense for the last several years. Mm-hmm. Teams have actually been able to run on them a little bit more. They're not like leaky or any like bad run defense, but they're kind of sitting right now at league average against the run. And so I think that bodes well for for the Ravens who really want to look to, as you said, Jay, you know, slow the game down, really take their time, let the defense rest. And Tyler Linderbaum, though, one area just if Tampa Bay was going to look at a possible advantage, Tyler Linderbaum, the rookie center for Baltimore, he's a little bit undersized and has been kind of having some issues dealing with the bigger nose tackles. And that's exactly what Vita Vea is. Mans is like 6'4 and 350. So I want to see it, what that does to at least their running game. But I think there's still enough there for at least them to be able to, to have a lot of success and, and get this win, get a much-needed win on a short week. I like it a little bit less, a little bit lower scoring than, than you guys do. But nonetheless, the Ravens winning. I got this as Baltimore 20, Tampa Bay 16. Yeah, okay. Right kind of around that 45 over under. But speaking of getting over and unders, people got to get over their bye weeks as we segue into the fantasy chase. And everybody listening, you've been able to cash out on not only the fantasy chase, but also on our underdog segment, which we will get to later on. But before we do, Chase, welcome, bro. How you doing? Welcome, man. I'm I'm doing pretty good. This past week was kind of up and down uh, for me across my leagues. But all in all, you know, everything's looking pretty good this season. Definitely have been, and we'll look to keep that rolling as bye weeks start to file in again. A lot of people looking for what to do this week. We move to start and sits where we're going to kick things off as we mostly go to. Patrick Mahomes is on a bye. Who is your QB start for people looking to add someone to help out? I'm going with Tua. Tua at Detroit. Uh, they are they have the fewest sacks. Uh, 
You know, they're allowing the second most pass uh, yards per pass attempt this season and only two interceptions on the season. I feel like Tua is going to go deep on them often. Waddle and Hill, I can imagine, have a big game. I think Tua can be a top five QB this week. And I think in some leagues he's available. So if he's there, go grab him, plug him in, and start him. Nice. That would be a pretty good one. He looked really money when he on that first drive on Sunday night. Fizzled out just a bit, but nonetheless, I do like him against Detroit this week very much, too. Who's your sit? Man, I'm sitting Rodgers. You just – he's facing <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> like, you have to. <laughs> Dude. I feel it, like you have to. It, it's crazy to think, you know, who would you think is ranked better this season so far, Daniel Jones or Aaron Rodgers? Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Right? Uh, the rushing ability, man. Exactly. But if if you looked at it at the beginning of the season, people were like, no. Oh, that's that's that would sound you know, that's like nine. that's outlandish. You're crazy, you know. So yeah, Rodgers versus Buffalo, their top six versus the quarterback. They're allowing twelve points per game in fantasy scoring. Uh so yeah, and they have a two to one ratio for interceptions to touchdowns. They have ten interceptions to five passing touchdowns allowed in six games. Oh man. So not looking good, and Lazard's hurt. I would like to start Aaron Jones, but I just, man, I is he going to be as involved in the passing game this coming week as he was last week? He's got to be. He's I not, think they he's have not almost, averaging it, though. He it, is. You're right. He's not, and the skill is there. It's just I don't know why, but Lafleur doesn't try to tap into it more. Like so, but that's the thing. Like because I, I was saying, I was like, you know, he's going to be my start, and the more I looked into it, the more I'm like, I, I just can't get behind it. I just can't. Like, right. to the point where I will start Zeke over Aaron Jones this week. Mm. Wow. wow. Yeah. And, and, like, so if Zeke's healthy, at least, if he's healthy and plays as a great uh, game script, Chicago's kind of tough on the running back, but not that bad. Uh, you know, he's still getting 60% snaps. You know, he's averaging 15 rushes per game. Game script's in favor. I will, uh, they are, they have allowed four touchdowns to the running backs in the last three weeks. But it's one of those things, like, I would start Zeke over Aaron Jones, even though Aaron Jones has had bigger games. Mm-hmm. I need to see that consistency in either the passing game or the rushing game. And right now he's not getting enough of both to trust him in a tough matchup against Buffalo that they're going to have to pass to stay in. Yeah, it's true. It just shocks me, man, that, dude, like, Aaron Jones is, in terms of skill set, he might be the best, quote-unquote, like, let's just say pass catcher on the Packers right now, which is mm-hmm. how it's looking. <laughs> And the man has five or more targets in only two games. I don't I, get it. Dude, that, I'm telling you, I was trying to look into it. I was like, he's going to be my start of the week. And I was looking into everything. I was like, he's not my start of the week. I, I can't. I just genuinely, I was like, it's funny because like there's sometimes in fantasy when you're looking into all this research, you're like, oh, I really want to look into him. I think he's going to be great this week. And the more you look into it, the more you like either talk yourself out of it or into it if you were on the opposition. And it's just one of those things. This was one of those cases for me. I was like, I'm I'm not starting Aaron Jones. He could have a great week. He could. But the coaching, the play calling, it's just not there for me right now. You still have A.J. Dillon. And even A.J. Dillon's being super involved in the passing game or as much as Aaron Jones. And it's just, it's a headache. And Aaron Jones was one of my top, you know, like round two. I'm going to pick him up, you know, almost every league. And now I'm just like, Oh my God! I'm and I'm looking to sell him because he's about ready to come into a rough schedule. He has a Week 14 buy, you know, right before the playoffs, depending on where your league starts your uh, playoffs at. 
man, I'm just, if I can, I'll try and sell him right now. Mm. So if he's your sit and you're talking about the headaches that he can't deal, who are you looking to to start to alleviate those? Uh, no, I'm starting Zeke. Like, that's actually my that's start your start of the, of the week. week? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like that. Oh, you're, you're like that on Zeke. Oh, okay. Why? So yeah. why are you so high on as Zeke? As long as he's healthy, the game script, that's the biggest thing, especially with how much Dak didn't look very good this past week. I know it was, I mean, it should have been an easy game. It really should have. But it just, I don't. maybe it's because he's been off for so long. Mm-hmm. But I think Zeke's going to get it put into positions. You know, again, he always does really well when Dak's, you know, at the helm. They get into the red zone more often, and that's where Zeke feasts. He gets touchdowns. And looking at Chicago, like I said, giving up four touchdowns in the last three weeks, I think the game script is fantastic. Uh, you know, I think Dallas is like minus 10 favorites. So mm-hmm. like, or minus nine now. So they're minus nine favorites. They're going to be up. I don't think you're going to have to pass a bunch. And I think, you know, as long as Zeke is healthy, he's going to be running the ball. And I think he's going to get those red zone touches. Yeah, those are very valuable in fantasy. We all know this. Uh, wide receiver, who are you starting there? Man, I messed up and I said, you know, sit Chris Olave last week. I'm starting him this week, man. I, I, honestly, Arizona has been so tough against the wide receiver, especially this in true. the deep ball. And I just didn't see it there. But they utilized him. He wasn't even the top 10 on air yards this week, and he was a top 10 wide receiver. Fantastic usage. He is versatile. He is, you know, he was getting yards after the catch. I love it. So I think Olave, he's wide receiver 19 on the season. Uh, he has four, He had 14 targets last week. On the season, he has a 30% uh, target share. He has three deep targets last week. And since week two, he is averaging 10 targets and 90 yards per game. And when Andy Dalton throws a pick, it doesn't hurt his fantasy day. Yeah, he doesn't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and garbage time's garbage time. So Exactly. I, I, like I said earlier, I want Las Vegas to win. I think they're probably going to win. So I would really like Olave to you know be in that passing game script, maybe garbage time, especially with the way Jacobs has been forming and you know uh, Devontae Adams. So I think all those things go in favor for Olave to you know get some major usage in this game. Okay. And sitting at the wide receiver spot. This one was a tough one for me this week. I really don't want to sit this wide receiver because he's he's been getting the usage. But the thing is, is I, I it's his toughest matchup all all year. Tyler Lockett versus the Giants. DK's hurt. He may not play. He has a knee injury. I think that's going to put a lot of focus on Lockett uh, in that secondary against the Giants. And I don't know if that's going to bode well for him, mm-hmm. being the only guy. So maybe he gets hyper-targeted or maybe he goes the other way. It's not somebody I want to trust this week, though. Yeah, that's understandable. I get it, because with, without basically DK, you know, other than that, it's Dwayne Eskridge and maybe the usage of the tight ends or Marquise Goodwin, Marquise Goodwin. kind of came out of nowhere yeah. last week. But, yeah. Uh, so looking to beat the waiver wire as we move to the to the next one. Or, no, I didn't even get to tight ends. My bad. Travis Kelsey on a bye. We definitely have to get to the tight end spot. Who are you starting there? You got to go with Greg Dulich. Dolchich, there you go, uh, versus Jacksonville. It's in London. It's an earlier game. It's kind of like a second home game for you know Jacksonville because you know they always play there every year. But last two weeks, he has 12 targets, eight receptions, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I think he's getting more involved in that offense, whether it's going to be Russ or uh, Ripon as uh, the quarterback. But I think uh, Greg Dolchich should definitely be somebody that should be added, and you probably start him this week, especially – Again, outside of maybe what the top, 
like top five tight ends, mm-hmm. you're probably streaming every week. So like this week, Mark Andrews, Kittle, Ertz, Hawkinson, Goddard, you're you're all starting. I would still start Fryermuth. I'd probably keep him in my top six. But then after that, you're looking at, you know, names like Gasecki, Irv Smith Jr., which I do like this week. Kate Otten, he's moving up in my rankings as well. And then, I mean, everything like Pitts, you can't start him. He shouldn't even be rostered at this point. Right. Uh, Hayden Hurst, Robert Tunyon, you know, you're you're just digging deep at this point to find somebody who can hopefully get you eight points. Like last week in a Survivor League, it's a fantasy Survivor League. Once you use a player, you can never use them again. Lowest score gets eliminated. I started Taysom Hill just because I was like, he could probably get me eight points. He actually got me eight points in that scoring league. So I was like, you know what? I'm fine with it because I'm trying to, you know, save, you know, my Mark Andrews, my Travis Kelsey's for the end of the season. You know, when you get to the like, okay, there's four of us left, winner takes all. Mm-hmm. So I try like, because if you have like an outlier at that position at the end of the season, it's great in that league. But at this point, you know, I'm just trying to find somebody who can get me eight points, which is crazy because I always tried shooting for, you know, 10 or 12. but that's where we're at this year is yeah. points at tight end. <laughs> it's the state of the position, man. It's the state of the position. Uh, as far now, to beat the waiver wire, who could people look to acquire to help their team out? So beating the waiver wire, man, it's really kind of rough because next week we got the bi-pocalypse for this year. You know, we have six teams on by next week. We got the Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Giants, Steelers, 49ers. I hope somebody uh, listened to me at least and when it got Wandale Robinson last week because he's Thank getting you. more and I more did involved. Thank you. I did that myself. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, he's getting more and more involved in the week. I will say, this hurts, but in my home league, you know, redraft, I dropped DJ Moore for Wandale Robinson last week because I was like, you know, DJ Moore just I, – I don't have the depth for him. Let me go get Wandale. And then DJ Moore has a great game, and I lose because of it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it breaks a fantasy, man. So it's not so much beat the waiver wire for me this week, but some buy and sells. I really still want to go after Amon Ra. You know how I feel about him. DJ Moore is a top sell. I want to get George Pickens. Like he is, as long as Kenny Pickett is, you know, the quarterback, I really want him. I was trying to get Mike Evans before this last week. He had a really good week. He could have had a tremendous week if he didn't drop that, what, 74 or 64 yard touchdown? Yeah, yeah. So Mike Evans is a top one I want to get. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, even with Harris back, he had a uh, 77% snap share and Harris had a 17%. So that's somebody I would like to get. I'm looking to sell Kamara. So it's kind of rough, but his, at this point, we're starting to see who's going to be like likely to make the playoffs in most leagues. Kamara does not have a great schedule rest of the season. His rest is, he's bottom six for strength of schedule for running backs. It's somebody I'm looking to sell. And I really want to get Fryermuth wherever I can. If you don't have Andrews or, you know, Kelsey, in my opinion, you should be making an active move for Fryermuth because weeks 11 through 17, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Atlanta, Baltimore, Carolina, Las Vegas, Baltimore. He only has one bottom or, you know, one top 10 matchup versus defenses, you know, so only one tough matchup left during that time period. Mm-hmm. And the rest are just cake. So, Again, somebody else I'm trying to target, you know, as long as he's getting that usage. Again, garbage time still counts in fantasy. As long as he's getting those targets and in PPR scoring and those yards, I'm fine with it. You know, six or seven targets a game, you know, 50 to 60 receiving yards. I'm fine. And touchdown upside, I'm fine. I I would love that on my team right now. 
Nice, nice. That's a pretty good target. As far and as then, the sh- oh, keep going. Oh no, I was gonna say like who I'm looking to stream this yeah, week. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. Read my mind. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on a game like you know that you like. I want to stream Carr this week. I would stream Carr over Rogers. I think he's gonna have a great game against New Orleans. I think everything's lining up great. I would even go as far as to if it's Dalton, I'd probably stream Dalton over Winston. I would even stream Winston too. So I like both quarter or well quarterback matchups on both sides of that game. I also like uh, for defense wise Dallas versus Chicago and the Dolphins versus Detroit. So or at Detroit. So I think those are both good opportunities there. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, defensively, looking to do the defensive stream for Week Eight. Which team are you targeting? Oh, that's what I was saying. Uh, Dallas versus Chicago and oh, Dolphins that versus okay. and Dolphins at Detroit. Those are my probably top two targets for Week Eight yeah. for uh, defenses. Obviously, you're probably not going to find the Eagles on uh, no on waivers. I don't uh, even know if you can find Dallas though. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I also like the Titans at Houston. I think they might be able that's to get some turnovers yeah. there. Um, you know, it, it's it's kind of rough, but maybe the Bengals at Cleveland. I I don't know. Jacoby's been pretty good at home and kind of iffy on the road, but you know, so they're in Cleveland. I'm not entirely sold on that one. And then Jaguars versus Denver. That's. <laughs> Whether it's Russ or Brett, I mean, you can stream them and hopefully get a couple turnovers. Last but not least, daily fantasy builds. Who are you basing your lineups around and who are you looking to add for your rosters? So for my kind of like stack that I'm going, I'm going Tua, Waddle, and Mosert. And then I'm going Kenneth Walker again. I like Damian Pierce this week. Devontae Smith, I think, could have a great game against uh, Pittsburgh. However, the game script, they may not need to pass as much. But I do like the Jets a lot versus New England for a defense in, uh, daily just because they I think they have eight interceptions on the on the season. They're doing really well defensively. And I think it's just a great opportunity in that matchup, whether it's Zappy or Mac Jones. I feel like they're going to get a couple turnovers there. Nice. Nice. Yeah, so they have their third in the league on interceptions this uh, year with eight right now. So That's big. And but, you know, Sauce Gardner's big. looking better and better, man. He he really is. Yeah. Well, there's a couple teams that we're gonna get into here in our next matchup. Thank you very much, Chase. Always appreciate you Thank dropping you the fantasy knowledge. And so as we segue now into our second game of the week out of three of them, we of course are gonna tee it up with the Patriots. In fact, heading to New York to take on the Jets. Patriots now sitting at three and four, fourth in the AFC North as the Jets are, or AFC East. And the Jets, for I don't know the last time we could honestly say this, that they were ahead of the Patriots at any point in terms of standings within the NFC or the AFC East right now. And just as Chase was talking about, Sauce Garner is looking better and better. Josiah, we all knew that was your dude. And just what do you mostly, when you've watched Sauce this year and what you've seen, what jumps out to you the most? I just like how he's getting better and better week in and week out, you know what I mean? And that's what you want to see in a young rookie, you know. You want to see somebody really improve because, you know, they're not going to be a finished product, you know, no matter how high you draft them and how much, you know, they're supposed to be this and that and whatnot. And for him to actually just be playing, you know, pretty, I mean, pretty well for, for a corner. Because normally when corners come out their first year, they're not all of that their first year. Normally it takes them – 
they're like one of the harder positions to draft and find like real talent, you know, in that position. So for him to be coming out and playing pretty well so far, it's, it's impressive. Um, but yeah, my number one thing would be him just getting better week in, week out. And, you know, his coverage, I mean, it's something that he, you know, he had when he, when he was in college, man, he, his, his tight coverage, his sticky coverage, you know, is, is what always impressed me when he was coming out and mm -hmm. you're seeing it here, you know, and, and he's gaining the confidence, you know, he's, he's really feels like, you know, Hey, I can, I can hang with any of these wide receivers out here, for you know, sure. no matter who you guys put me on, whoever the coordinator want to put me on, I'm, I'm ready for the challenge. So that's what you want to see, you know, and what a saw, what, what a saw, what a name like sauce, you know, you, you, you gotta be able to live up to that hype, you know, remember the, I think it was in training camp, you know, they were talking about, you know, hey, you, you know, you got this name, you know, you got you got to. Yeah, yeah, that was a Carl Lawson, yeah. Carl Lawson, yeah, sure was. Yeah, you know, and they were saying he got to prove it, you know, and um, that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing right now, man. So, you know, um, he was clowning. I, I loved how he was clowning, you know, uh, Green Bay when he put the, oh, yeah. you know, the cheese on his head. Yeah. I just, mm -hmm. you know, you just like to see, you know, players really coming into their own, young players coming into their own and just having fun. And that's what's going on with him, man. So, yeah, I'm very impressed. Very impressed. Yes, indeed. Uh, other side of the ball, Corday, the Patriots have Belichick at this point, of course, in true Belichickian fashion, has not declared who the starter will be a quarterback for the game this Sunday. But on the Monday night game, when the Patriots got pretty much dog walked by the Bears, uh, there was two three and outs and a pick to open up the game from Mac Jones in his return. Then there was the happy hour for maybe only about 20 minutes, though. And two TDs in a short period of time, and then there was a fumble and a pair of picks from Zappi himself. Corday, if it were up to you, which quarterback would you start against New York this Sunday? I'm starting Billy Zappi, mainly because I don't think Mac Jones is fully healthy yet. That's why I think he was benched. Uh, shot a rush back, I think, after – well, because he missed like two weeks, so that would be like two, th two and a half, three weeks since he got hurt. Yeah, it was in like the middle of that Packer game. Yeah, it was like the diagnosis was he. I think it was supposed to be out four to six weeks or six to eight. Um, so yeah, he definitely and Mac Jones is not a mobile quarterback at all. So uh, having an ankle injury only more limits him in the pocket. That and then dropping back uh, can't really probably press or like because this is plant foot too, I believe. So you can't plant and like throw the ball accurately. I think that's why um, he got benched because. Like, leading up to that game, which a lot of people didn't talk about, he was a game-time decision, um, and he decided to play warm-up and stuff like that. I was thinking he probably should have sat him. I would have sat him, like, another week. Uh, and then we saw how Bill benched him after barely even playing, and I would have went with uh, Billy Zappi, especially going to the game, knowing Billy Zappi – or giving Billy Zappi the playing time. Like, yes, you will be the starter. Don't worry about Mac Jones. And Billy Zappi looked good when he came in off those first few throws, scored a touchdown, and then – um, the games kept playing. Like I didn't, I didn't think the Bears was going to beat them. I thought the Pats was going to beat them. Uh, not even close. Like I thought it was going to be the opposite way. Like it was thirty-four to fourteen. I thought the Pats was going to score that much. But um, playing his quarterback musical chairs is not exactly helping either one of these guys' confidence. Um, so I'm definitely thinking, and I would go with uh, Billy Zappi. Jay, what about you? You know what, uh, Corday brought up a, a good point. Well, I mean, I look at it like this. If Mac Jones, because I thought it was kind of strange that he pulled him, Bill Belichick, mm -hmm. that is, right after the interception. It was after the interception. It was like right after that. And maybe yeah. he feels like, you know, he doesn't, he can't. At the point that you brought up, Corday, as far as his plant foot, him not being able to 
get the strength that he needs when he's delivering the ball. I that's that's the only thing I could think of, you know. But to be honest, at the same time, it's like, is that really the case, or is it because he really felt like Billy Zappi really could, you know, was could could take his job, you know? Um, and and that's that to me is, you know, I, I to me this is what gets me. They drafted Mac Jones last year. And mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, he had a he had a solid season. I actually thought he had a pretty good season. He impressed me more than I than I thought. You know, I didn't think he was really gonna do anything, but he and he looked like the best rookie quarterback last year. Yeah, yeah. I think he he was, bro. He was yeah. he was definitely the best out of them. Um his uh, the the obviously the organization him coming to and the best coaching as far as, you know, Bill Belichick and Josh being a, a really solid uh, offensive minded dude, you know, play caller. When you lose that and then you got uh, uh, ex defensive coordinator calling plays, and then you got the, the special teams coach switching up yeah. calling plays. I mean, that's the, you know what I'm saying. That's not really going to sit right, really, with you know with, with your QB, especially if you know it's a change of system. And you know, I'm not you know, and then the play calls itself. Like even when Billy Zappi was in, and I'm, Mac Jones has been going through this as well since he's been their starter. I didn't understand why they were why they was running the ball. They had a little bit of they had a small shot really to get back into the game. I think it was about like eight minutes left, mm-hmm. and Matt Patricia was calling run plays. You know, and it's just like at this point, I, I get it. You trying to you know you 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 still trying to like throw off the defense in a sense, you know, because they you you know they know that you got to pass the rock, but it's just some of his play calling. Just you know, I I don't I don't see what they're doing over here on offense, but. Mac Jones has had to go through that, you know, not to get too beside the point. Mm-hmm. And if it really is his ankle and he's hurt and he's not able to go, the right thing is to start Billy. If yeah, that's it's... not the if that's not the case, to me, you put Mac Jones back out there. I mean, mm-hmm. you just drafted him last year. He had a real solid season last year, you know, and to make it like he's the don't get me wrong, he needs to stop turning over the ball. Yeah, he's turning over the ball. He's he's a lot of things he's doing wrong for sure. But that offense is all mixed up. You got a defense coordinator calling plays for offense. Like, you know, I mean, and and it's been and people been talking about this all through training camp. This wasn't just something mm-hmm. like like just popped mm-hmm. up. This is something that they've been struggling with all through offseason. So to to make it like it's all him, that's that's, you know, but I could be wrong. Like, 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 like I said, maybe, you know, I know he hurt his ankle. He went out there. I just found it strange how he got pulled right after that interception, you know. So and then, you know, the crowd was they was cheering. They wanted Billy to come in. They wanted him to play. So. You know, yeah, I yeah. would I would start Billy if Mac is, is if if he can't go, but if he can't go, I'm putting I'm starting Mac over Billy. You go Mac first, yeah. It's it's weird. So they asked Belichick in the post game presser. They said, "So uh, mm-hmm. did you pull Mac Jones, or, or what did they say? They said was Mac Jones' uh, lower uh, extremity injury a part of the reason why you pulled him?" And Belichick said it was a factor. And then the, somebody else later asked him, did you pull him for medical reasons? He said, no. No, yeah. So it's like. So, uh, okay. But it's then factor, after. But like, I, it's, it's, Bill, it's probably <laughs> mostly just Bill doing what Bill do. Right, I'm right. going to give y'all right. no clarity on any of this shit. Right. Like, I ain't even going to tell you if I like salt or pepper or both on my eggs. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, you know. <laughs> and then come back around. Uh, I like both. <laughs> like, I, I'll be putting motor oil on my eggs next. <laughs> But we're on the Cincinnati. Don't worry about that. You know how we do. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <That> motor. <laughs> I would not be surprised that motherfucker. He's crazy uh, overall. 
Corday, looking at this matchup, uh, Patriots come into this favored by one and a half. How do you see this game unfolding and who wins? Um, even though Sauce is playing amazing, uh, the loss of Brees Hall uh, really scares me because that dude was was on a tear, man. He was definitely looked like he was going to finish as rookie of the year, but went down with the torn ACL. And the crazy thing about that hit, when I saw the hit, because they, they focused in more of how his head got blew up, I thought he had a concussion. So when I saw him walking off the field, I was like, well, that's cool. He, he's like probably out the rest of this game because uh, he had a concussion. I didn't know he had hurt his knee. Then finally towards ACL, I was like, damn. Um, and then also Elijah Vera Tucker is out as well. And they've just been having a ton of injuries along this O-line. Uh, both tackles was out. Elijah Vera Tucker has played three positions on this O-line so far this year. So I think those two key losses will definitely help the Pats um, uh, win this game because I think uh, Belichick's going to use Matthew Judon a lot of times to single him up. And the crazy thing about it, even though the Patriots lost, Matthew Judon had two and a half sacks in the first quarter. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that for the QB for sure. That yeah. Whole game. Yeah, the whole game. So if he could continue to do that and uh, Zappy Hour can actually – uh, bring back Zapier this coming Sunday. I think the Pats will be able to win this game uh, in the loss of Brees Hall, even though they traded for um, James Robinson, for James Robinson from, uh, ten, from uh, the Jags. And I'm still like, y'all gave up a six-round pick for this dude? Like, this dude was was balling. Like, how is this? And why did you guys get this guy up? But, hey, um, I wasn't, you know, more teams should have probably been calling about this guy. And he's, I think he's only on his like third year in the league and mm-hmm. still has like more years left on his contract. So yeah, it's, it's amazing and very interesting. Um, but I think that's not a, enough an addition because of the loss of Vera Tucker along the offensive line. And I got the Pats winning it. Uh, probably I want to say uh, 23 to like 14. 23 to 14 Pats by nine. Also, I'm wondering how my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wonder how Elijah Moore is going if he's going to get playing time now that uh, uh, Brees Hall is out. It's funny they benched him last week for asking for a trade. Now all of a sudden he's going to be able to play this week. I'm just like, uh, you bench a guy because he asked for a trade. Why don't you just trade him? Like everybody's like wondering. You're you know they're not, you're not utilizing him, so maybe you should have traded him. But hey, whatever. yeah. I think that's more of a, a Zach Wilson thing than anything else. And I get his frustrations because it shows on the film, man. The dude the dude just gets open, and Zach yeah. is not even – he didn't even target him two weeks ago. Nope. Josiah, same question do you, to you, or more or less, do you have the Patriots getting a win, bouncing back against the Jets this weekend? I, I went back and forth with this game, man. Back and forth, back and forth. Pardon me, I, I really – the way I just seen the Bears beat the brakes off New England, I, I don't see it, it. To me, it just and then because they have so many different question marks with the QBs and offense and all of that, I don't see how the Jets would lose this game. But you know, it's it. I don't see Bill after getting embarrassed like that. I I could just really see him having this team really prepared to play. And you know, he's really you know outside of what just happened versus the Bears, you know, because you you figured they were going to run the ball, so I don't know how they were able to have that much success but for the most part bill is good for stopping your best weapon you know mm-hmm. and you know what the jets are going to want to do they're going to want to run the, they're definitely going to want to run the rock and you know it's kind of hard to see bill allowing that to happen um 
And then Zach Wilson hasn't been playing well at all, really. I mean, that's what also makes this impressive that their their record is where it's at because he ain't – you're right, Jordan. He's not even looking at our boy Elijah Moore at all. And, you know, and hardly anybody. I mean, you look at right. – I mean, he's just not – he's playing okay. He's not throwing away the game, you know, um, but he's definitely not helping them really, you know, win the game in a sense. Bro, like the amount of plays he has where he – barely avoids like a 25 yard sack yeah yeah like come on bro what are you doing right and then Corday you brought up a great point you know with Matthew Judon and just the the sack numbers that he totaled and just in general New England is getting after the QB Mm -hmm. I I could see like I said I could see Bill really stopping the run was what the Jets want to do and forcing Zach to try to beat them and I could see Zach turning over the ball I could see that happen I think this is going to be a defensive game yeah um, That's give me, yeah, I, I can see it being defensive game for sure. But you know what, man? I'm gonna I'm go ahead and go. I'm gonna go with the Jets. I definitely wouldn't put money on this. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm go ahead and go with the Jets. Give me 17 to 14 Jets. 17 14. Shy of the over under sitting at 40 and a half in this one. 17 14, somewhere in the low 30s, 31 points around there. Yeah, I, this one I'm right with you, Jay, just like you said. Went back and forth on it as well. And I think something that I think is at least good in the media stratosphere or people like us when it comes to the state of the Patriots right now right. with this whole QB roller coaster carousel debacle, whatever it is, something that I think that, that a lot of people, that's something that a lot of people are going to obviously be talking about following this Bears game. But Really, that game was lost because that defense was just absolutely bad. They had no answer. They got bullied and out-schemed on the ground versus Chicago. And right now, the Pats' defense have the fifth-worst rush defense in terms of DVOA, which is variance over average. And really, it just it's it's tough for me to classify because, like you say, Jay, on one hand, they do take away what your best weapon is. We've known this for Belichick for years. His defense has done this time and time again then this is what happens when you're looking at Justin Fields and this Bears right. offense who wants to stay on the ground, and they had no answer for it. But then just a week ago, they clamped down against this against the Browns offense yep. and held Nick Chubb to one of his lowest production days yep. of 2022. Yep. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know how to piece them there. And I think after what happened on the national stage, losing like they did, dealing with these questions at quarterback that he, you know, he just doesn't want to deal with. He's Mr. Ignore the noise, block out the noise. And there's tons of noise just because of how this is all unfolding over there in new England. And that's going to give him at least enough motivation to get the defense, right. Going against the Jets offense that yes, like you said, Jay wants to run the ball. That's they've been top 10 in rush in rush EPA this year, actually 11th, just outside of the top 10. And But without Brees Hall, without Elijah Vera Tucker, your best two components in what your bread and butter has been, going against a team that takes away what you want to do the most, I got to side with Corday. I got the Patriots in this one, man. I, I, I really had the Patriots in this one. I don't think we'll see too much of an air attack, at least especially late, from the Patriots, primarily because not only is Sauce Gardner ball- balling out, but DJ Reed, the other corner, he's having himself a good-ass season, too. I would have to say right now, those two, just at through what, seven weeks into the season, I would say those two, Sauce and DJ, they're probably the second best corner tandem in the league behind, go ahead, Corday, your Eagles, Bradbury and Darius Slay. <laughs> hey! You wasn't even going to say, I ain't, no, 
Glad we know, baby. Hey. Hey, man. I ain't been this happy in a while, man. Don't, 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 you know. You gonna go plug the six and oh? I mean, you, you, you know. My bad, my bad. Six and oh, baby. Six and oh, baby. Six and oh, baby. <laughs> but to bring it back to the team at hand here, the, the other team in the green that we are previewing in this game, that I just, I like to see those two corners because of the, also just from a stylistic standpoint, Sauce being the long, lanky guy, he tends to take mm-hmm. the more physical receiver. If they mm-hmm. do tend to match them up that way, DJ Reed takes the more shifty guys. And it's getting to the point right now where Sauce is so good at understanding and really being the guy that is in charge of the leverage on deep balls in particular. And quarterbacks are now getting to the point to where they're going to start really thinking about if they want to test him downfield just because the length and his physicality is, is so on point right now, especially for a rookie. It's, it's just it's so dope to watch. And been a favorite defense the last couple of weeks for me to check out on the All-22. Also because of Jonathan Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson getting busy down in the down in the trenches. But it's going to be a low-scoring game. And in a low-scoring game, Bill Belichick, after what happened, going against a quarterback that we've seen from what Zach Wilson's been putting out there. I got the Pats. Uh, I like low-scoring. Give me, give me seven. I'm going to go 17-13. Just, just one away, kind of like you were saying, Jay. 17-13 sound about right. Patriots prevailing on this one. Moving to our third game of the week, and probably, honestly, I mean, all bias, you know, we're moved, of course. I want to see, you know, you want to watch your team on Sunday. We are all fans when it comes down to the knit grid of it. But, of course, you also got to look at the teams that are doing a lot right now, and you got a matchup of two surprise squads throwing down in the Pacific Northwest as the 6-1 and one Giants head to Seattle to take on the 4-3 and three Seahawks. And this game right now is what I'm mostly going to be. This is what I'm going to be having on, on the, in the afternoon window uh, for us out here, that, that 4 p.m. Eastern time window for us here on the West Coast. This is what I'm going to be tuning into. And really on it, we've talked about the Giants before on this, on this, on this show a couple of times. Really, I'm going to start with you, Jay. What do you think is the biggest reason to the turnaround for the Giants now that it's, it's not just a couple of wins, it's not just a few, but it's six of them? What's the biggest turnaround that's got them there? Well, as a as a whole, I'm gonna say they're really buying what um, Brian Dable is selling, you know, because they don't. I, I think you could say the run game because they're running the ball really, really well. The defense is is playing pretty solid as well. Wink and went over there, and he's got them playing aggressive and 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 uh, buying what what he's selling. So I and then Daniel Jones too, man. Um, you know, he's playing some really good football right now, man. I mean, you know, around this time last year. He was fumbling, you know, he had the interceptions, you know, and he was really inconsistent over the last couple of years. And this is this is a big year for him. I mean, and and they're going to have to decide if he's the guy going forward or are they going to draft somebody? You know, do you really want to draft somebody after he just helped y'all, you know, get to the playoffs, you know? Um, so they got big things, you know, they got big, you know, they have to think, you know, what they want to do because they, they, they're going to have to, you know, figure that out because he's, he's playing really, really well. So. What I take away from it really being effective running the ball and, you know, being able – and the offensive line too, man. I You know, we've talked about – we've talked about this old line and we over the last couple of years, and they're not great. They're not great. But they're playing better than I thought they were going to play this year. Oh, I, for sure. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why uh, Saquon Barkley wasn't playing well, I mean, before the injury, he had that one year and then it just, you know, it just – 
he just he couldn't he couldn't get a he the whole line wasn't blocking. They just was not blocking, and he wasn't able to find no type of holes. They are really, really, really playing well when it comes down to the run blocking. And so yeah, I, I would I would go with a few things, man. They're, they're Brian Dable coming in there and and really being effective with his teaching and them going in and really believing it and and them locking down on what they want to do. The identity was from the jump, you know, run the run the football. Saquon Barkley's our, our best player on his team, you know, and and you know, we're expecting him to do big things. And, you know, they he created a scheme just for that, you know, um, for this offensive scheme for it. So so that and then Daniel Jones taking care of the football and the defense just, you know, really, really playing pretty, pretty well for the most part. So yeah, collective of things is mm-hmm. the Giants is, is playing some good ball right now. To more specifics with Daniel Jones taking care of the ball, because he damn sure is a lot more than he used to. We've talked about that a lot on this show. But from 2019 to 2022, combined interceptions and fumbles. How many do you think he had, Corday? Over 30? Yep. <laughs> Man, I know, I know, I know the teams in my division, man. I think, uh, I think, it was, in, bro, it was sixty-five. Yeah, yeah. Them fumbles was up there, man. Them fumbles was up there, and I remember, I think one year, I think he had thirteen interceptions last year, or some or eleven interceptions, like eight touchdowns. Then I think his rookie year, I think he had like what was it, like eleven fumbles or some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That man was not holding on to the ball; was constantly throwing it. It's funny how he got the name Danny Dimes off of one good preseason game. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm just like, Danny Dimes, but they just call him Danny Fumbles or something like that. It it, it was super ridiculous. Um, if it uh, is Danny Dimes, bro, it's like, you remember in the game Sonic the Hedgehog? I bring up Sonic references a lot, but they just yeah. fall into the headspace, so I got to share them. But remember when you when Sonic would like get hit by an enemy and all the coins would spill out? <laughs> That's exactly how. That was Danny Dimes. Exactly all his dimes fell out. We got hit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, this game should definitely also it's kind of a revenge game too for Geno Smith because remember Geno Smith replaced um, Eli Manning when Eli Manning was washed, but then everybody was super mad that he was benched for uh, Geno Smith. There's like Geno Smith, maybe uh, I think I've, I think it was Nassib or something like that. They had another third string uh, uh, QB on the roster, but I think he had got in trouble. Oh, was uh, it the long, long neck? Uh, what's his name? No, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't Matt Glennon. It Matt was. Glennon, uh, yeah. It was another QB who was like, I think, a third round pick. Was it Davis Webb? Or like, Davis and it was like a Webb sounds right. Yeah, sounds and right. so they was like, if anybody, you should bench Eli Manning for. It should be with Davis Webb for the future. But then they benched him for uh, Geno Smith. Which was interesting and crazy because Geno actually played a good game. Um, I think it was against you guys, Raiders too, was if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he did. Uh, mm-hmm. And they then they as as the podcast I was too called Bomani Jones the right time. Then they proceeded as a two year apology tour to Eli Manning for benching him that one game for Geno Smith. But Geno's looking good this year, man. Like honestly, funny about it, if Geno was on the Giants playing like this, I feel like they would probably be saying they have their quarterback of the future. Uh, Geno's playing super well. I think at like several games he scored, like this offense has scored like 38 points, but the Seahawks defense hasn't been as, as what it's used to be. Um, so honestly, I think Seattle might have to have a discussion like, well, is Geno the guy from here on out? You know, this he, team- yeah, it's, it's trending that way. 
Yeah, it, it, like out of the two in this in this game, I would prefer keeping Geno because the offense looking good. Um, he's there's been very explosive. DK Metcalf just went down, but then Tyler Tyler Locker started getting involved again, making just big plays and big catches after big plays and big catches. So it it's looking really good for this uh, Seattle team. Uh, I'm super super shocked by it too, especially because they lost Russell Wilson. But Gino coming in, they let him cook. They let Gino cook. I don't know what it's about it. Uh, you know, they uh, as Gino Smith said, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. Uh, keep keep that same energy, man. That that was super dope. Uh, Gino, keep on. Mm-hmm. A couple things really. This Giants offense that's jumped out to me is how Dayball and Kafka, offensive coordinator, have really just like leaned into Daniel Jones as the runner. Yeah, which we've all seen him have. He's got he's like a straight line speed guy. He's not very twitchy. You know, what I mean? he's not he's not making people miss in the open field, but if there is grass in front of him, he eats it up pretty quick. And he's averaging about eight and a half carries per game this season, which is twice as much that he's averaged throughout the course of his career. He's averaging two and a half yards after contact per rush. He's already reached a career high for force missed tackles, which who would have ever thought that was the part of his game that he'd be tapping into like that. The most 10, 10 yard run, 10 plus yards run of his career. And even right now, what shocked me, dude is fifth in the league with 15 yards or 15 carries that have went for over 10 yards. And last week he picked up seven first downs with his legs. So, I mean, as it stands right now, this would shock you, Corday. Only two quarterbacks in the NFL account for a higher percentage of their team's rush yards than Daniel Jones. Is one of them Justin Fields? Is one of them Lamar Jackson? And is the other one, is it your dude, Hurts? Which is the odd man out? Oh, uh, higher percentage of their rushing yards? Higher percentage of their team's rushing yards. Only I would, two have more than Daniel Jones. I would say my guy Hurts is out of it, and it's Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson, mainly because Hurts has been running it less. But Fields, also that Bears offense is terrible, so of course Justin Fields is running more. <laughs> hey, hey, say what you want, man. That Bears offense right now lead the league in rushing yards per game. Overall in this game, though, uh, it's just a lot of what's what's kind of real, what I'm noticing a lot when I look at him. Uh, Josiah, to swing it back to you, what's your result in this game, and why is it so? I and I and I agree with you. I agree with you, um, Corday. Uh, Gino, if I had to choose one, like like Gino was on the Giants right now, yeah, they yeah. probably would have their QB. Yeah, so, definitely. Same with Seattle. Um, obviously, we still got a long season to go still, so we'll see how these QBs, you know, pan out at the end. We'll see where where their teams is at and how they've been playing. But I really like the the play of Gino. Give me Seattle. Give me Seattle. Give me Seattle, man. Um, you know what? No, let me change that. <laughs> give me give me the Giants. I'm going to go with the Giants. I'm going to go with the Giants. And here's why because obviously DK DK not being there. I think that's yeah. what, that's that that hurt. Um you know, so Geno Smith there and you know they're going to they're going to want to run the rock. Uh, Kenneth Walker, we seen what he when he was able to do. I mean, he's just getting better and better and better. He's, he looks good. He, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, looks, he looks really really good, you know. And and but the Giants they they could run the rock too. We 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 just talked about how that's their staple. And Jordan, you brought up a good point with Daniel Jones, how they like to use him as well. You know, they get creative with, with both of them. So I'm a, I'm gonna go with the Giants because I feel like they're gonna be a little bit more effective in the run game. Seattle, 
is they're, they're not that good against the run. You know, um, I know they, they were able to, you know, well, I don't even really want to say they stopped Austin Eckler last week. Mm-hmm. They really didn't even run the ball. The Chargers, that is. That's a whole nother story. They didn't really run the ball as much as they could have. Um, you know, and, and, and outside of that game, you've seen a lot of teams really take advantage of that run defense over there. And the Giants is not great either. So, I mean, it, it, it can go really both ways. This could be mm-hmm. one of those games. Remember that Browns, the Browns and the Chargers game? You just seen both running backs, Austin Eckler and Nick <laughs> Chubb going back and forth. It could be one of those type of games, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and uh, take the Giants in this one. I really like what Wink Martindale is doing over there with that defense. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and edge them. So give me. Give me 24 Giants and actually let me let me let me let me let me do it. <laughs> 27. Give me 27 Giants and 24 Seattle. 27, 24. Right, right on that, right on the Seattle comes in favored by three. So I mean you have a three-point deficit, but Seattle is the favorite right now on the line. Corday, to you as well. Who do you got winning? Jay's last point is the main reason why I'm picking this team. Um, because of Wink Martindale and how good he has that defense of playing over there, um, and Seattle's um, defense isn't the same, even though they have a dope cornerback in Tariq Woolen, who had a pick in four straight games, I believe, until last week, but they had another turnover. Um, and then Wink Martindale uh, being... Uh, Blitzing the hell out of teams and uh, the lack of DK Metcalf not being there. I'm going to give it to the Giants, even though I don't even <laughs> care to say that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it to the Giants because that defense has come alive and they've utilized the running game uh, with Saquon Barkley, which um, uh, I feel like it's the main go to and stay like lock, uh, shut him down on defense run the ball, and like you said, is just uh, Jay, this could be a battle of running backs, which I feel like it definitely probably would be, and with, uh, uh, what is it, Murray and um, Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got the Giants winning it 24-20. <laughs> uh, uh, 20, 24-20, oh, close as well. Seattle's defense has been the issue to why they maybe – even the only the biggest glaring issue for them and why they would have a better record otherwise is if the defense Absolutely. would have been able to hold its water like it has started to in some games, at least yeah. I will say. But they have also shown that they've had problems with some of the mobile quarterbacks that they have faced recently. Mm-hmm. Kyler exactly. Murray went for 100 yards on 10 carries against him, ripped off like a 45 yarder and Taysom Hill. Just he had he had 115, was it on the ground? Didn't even have ten carries, three touchdowns. I, he had nine carries at three every three every three carries. That man was in the end zone. So I mean, we've seen Seattle have their problem with the, with these mobile quarterbacks. And I was bringing up the success that Daniel Jones has had running, and a lot of the ways that it's working are with installs. We still know how that Saquon Barkley is the lifeblood of this running game. It's him returning back to it, and just like you brought up, Jay, the way the offensive line is playing, your boy Andrew Thomas is still. Right now, to me, just in these eight games in, he's playing like he's playing left tackle better than anybody in the league right now. Absolutely balling just throughout the course of this 2022 season. And with a lot of how this success works within this run game, a lot of the like shotgun runs with Daniel Jones, the mesh point between him and Barkley 
it comes, it's, it's, it looks like a zone read, even though a lot of the plays or some of the plays may not necessarily be exactly that. So it sits there where he's going to give the mesh, boom, Saquon takes it up the middle and it's a basically set it, forget it run. But then when he does pull it out and he is actually reading the end man on the line of scrimmage, it looks so similar to just what a traditional run call would look. And then the other side of that, when they do go under center and they get into some of their gap runs or even outside zone, Daniel Jones, they do have built-in naked bootlegs where he will just pull it and take out going off on the other side when the whole entire defense is really focused and just gravitating towards what Saquon brings to the field. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was a stretch in that in that uh, Jags game last week. These fools, <laughs> Brian Dayball and company and Kafka, they ran the ball nine straight times, right? Mm-hmm. In like five or whatever minutes it was left. And on that, and on that, and out of those nine plays, like I think six or seven of them were all just running back power, like the yep. same play over, over, over. It's like, okay, they did it three times. They ain't gonna do it a fourth time. They do it a fourth time. All right, fine. We ain't gonna let them do that. Then they try, then they come out, same look, boop, Daniel Jones keeps it, goes the other way. Like it's, it's a very frustrating offense to deal with it. And if you're not sound up front, they're gonna gash you. They, they mm-hmm. really are. So, really, how does see, how do, how do I think Seattle's gonna look to, defend this one is they have to get back to playing more zone coverage like they did last week, particularly against the saints and particularly against the, the Cardinals. They went to a lot more man coverage looks and against mobile quarterbacks since that when you're guarding the receivers going downfield, that lends the option for running quarterbacks to be able to take off because the DB's backs is to the quarterback. So they're going to have to try to get fit into more zones, get to that penny personnel package that they have. Or it's kind of like a three, like a heavy three-three-five, where they put Jordan Brooks at the mic, and then they put like Puna Ford and Shelby Harris at three techniques with Al Woods at a zero, and then uh, Chin and Wosu's on the outside along with Boya Mafe. But then on the back end, they do have nickel personnel dropping in. Ironically enough, this is just too hilarious. They got Michael Jackson and Kobe Bryant on this defense. I, <laughs> I was watching the game. They say Michael Jackson, another play. Kobe Bryant's making it. He's, Kobe Bryant's a heck of a player in this defense. And I'm just like, bro. Bro, it's like, 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 like this season is clearly heaven sent for Seattle. What the hell? Like, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that was a great point. Great point. That's a great point. I'm just like, it's, 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 oh man, it's, you can't make this up. You can't make it up. So I want to see them get back to that. And maybe we do see them go out to that type of heavy three, three, five. Look, it's, it's a pretty cool look and they've had success with it whenever they tap into it, but it's only been short used. And really with on the giant side of the ball and they have the ball, that's really, you know, going to the run, that type of thing. And Wandell Robinson, as Chase has brought up the last couple of weeks in the fantasy segment, him getting into the fold is really helpful because I think he's the most dynamic playmaker they have. Yeah. And just lastly, last but not least, when the Seattle does have the ball, though, I think that's where it's really probably the most strength on the most strength. Absolutely, fifth, yeah. Yeah. Right now, the Giants are fifth in points per game allowed. Seattle is second in points per game scored. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah, uh, got it. Uh, Wando Robinson and Darius Slayton is another good playmaker for this Giants team. Slayton uh, is good for like one play action deep shot yeah. when you just just like they ain't gonna run on us, and then Slayton get behind you. Mm-hmm. Well, they ain't got nobody else. <laughs> no. I think they sent Kenny Galladay on a nine route week one. We're still waiting for him to get downfield. And it's him, him, and uh, Tony were both out, and then their tight end, uh, the rookie tight end they had over there, uh, was making plays, but then he got. 
he got severely poked in the eye where his whole oh, yeah uh Be- Daniel Bellinger I don't think he's playing this week yeah yeah, yeah. he he's not playing I think he's gonna be evaluated I think he's gonna miss a few weeks because like I'm like okay he just got similar poke in the eye like nah it was a uh, uh super swollen it kind of remind me sorry to talk about you at that time Michael Strahan got part poked in the eye when he was playing the Raiders and he was like mm. bleeding, you know, he was mm. still able to come back. I think the next game, but he, he sat out the rest of that game because his eye was just straight up bloody, but he wore a, a visor after like a dark uh, smoke visor. And he was like, I don't like it, but he was like, my eye is swollen up. And he was like, I never seen somebody poke nobody in the eye like that before. So it was, yeah, that's the eye stuff, man. That's, that's some scary stuff. Very sensitive yeah. spot on the body. Very sensitive. So, game. Lately, though, uh, Wink Martindale to be on the Giants' defense now, he's got back to his roots. They have yep. now surpassed Arizona recently as being the most blitz-happy team in the league, highest blitz rate now in, in the entire NFL. And we saw the Seahawks when they played against the Cardinals, on third down in particularly, Cardinals were sending heat after heat after heat. It's just what they do. And Seattle had some problems with it. So I'm going to look to see if they can adjust, but I think right now, with how this Seattle offense is playing, they got this huge home game. That crowd up there at Lumen Field is going to be live. Just loving what they're seeing from their squad. And, I mean, hey, you got heaven shining down on you with Michael Jackson and Kobe Bryant. So give me the Seahawks, 23-20. to 20. Just barely hit, hitting that uh, three-point spread right there. Slide into our last segment. The quick one that we usually hit here is our underdog segment, where if you'd have been listening last week, it took the New York teams like Josiah, and I told you to. Me and Jay had it right. Y'all could have cashed in. Okay? Y'all, y'all could have cashed in. Just saying. Listen to Chase. Listen to me. Listen to Jay. Listen, don't listen to Corday. It's going to say 6-0 and and all that shit. No, I'm playing. <laughs> uh, start, we'll start with you. Start with you, Mr. Mr. Philly fan. Uh, who is your underdog this week? Well, well, real quick, real quick. Don't listen to me. Uh, two weeks ago, I picked uh, – I picked Dallas over the Rams, so you would have won. You won money with me two weeks ago as well. So hey, man, hey, I'm, everybody I'm, cashing I'm, in, man. Everybody cashing in, exactly, man. You know, everybody cashing in. Uh, who, who do I? Who is my underdog? Let's see. Uh, it's kind of staring me in the face right now. I don't know if I want to pick that team though, because uh, I know even though they they had a good victory last week, I don't. I'm still like, mm, nah, we're gonna give you some time. We're gonna give you some time. Yeah, Jay, who, who, who's your underdog? I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the Commanders, man. Man, that's go mine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I have written down. I'm gonna go with them. I mean, I, I, for one, again, you know, it's crazy. This the, the whole show really. We've been talking about QBs and just different weird situations going on. The Colts, it's just, it's just the same deal, you know. Um, I know Matt Ryan is hurt, but you know, from what I'm, what I'm hearing, you know, is that that's not really that's. It's not really that, you know, they really want to go in a different direction. And I'm kind of shocked by that, man. I'm kind of shocked a little bit by that. I don't know if it's if it's a um a panic move by Frank a little bit, maybe, maybe because I, I know I remember him saying, I think it was before they got Matt Ryan, or maybe when they got Matt Ryan, but it was almost like, you know, I can't remember word for word, but you know, he's basically been telling the the, you know, the 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 higher ups, you know, it just they're just a QB away. And they've had different QBs come in there and they've had some good, some good teams there, you know, but they haven't really did as much as, you know, they wanted to, you know, and and now they got Matt Ryan and it's even worse, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, here we are now, now he's being benched. And to me, you know, you got to look at that. We just talked about that offensive line, how many times he's getting sacked. He don't even really have the time 
to really throw the ball. So that that to me, it doesn't make sense to me, but that's where they're going. And that's why I'm gonna go with the commanders, because you know, you seen what they just did against Green Bay. Um, they're playing with confidence right now. They they still feel like they're in it. I think what what are they, three and four right now? Mm-hmm. Three and four? Yeah. Yeah. Three they're and four. Great. So yeah, man. I mean, you you know, you I, I like I I I like how they still, you know, they're they're because sometimes with the commanders, you you see them on TV, be watching them, you like, this is gonna be a blowout. And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but they still they're still believing in what Ron Rivera is selling out there, man. And and the defense, the defense did a pretty good job. Green Bay tried to make a comeback late, but it just it wasn't panning out. And I know some of it, a lot of it is on Green Bay. I know they don't have the weapons. That's another story, but you know, the the commanders capitalized on it. And I see them doing the same thing this week. You know, if they could beat, if they could beat uh, Aaron Rodgers, they definitely could be Sam, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I got the commanders with the uh, upset on this one. Give me – I think it's going to be another low-scoring game. Give me 20 – give me 20 to 17 commanders. 22 17 commanders. The one that I have, as far as my underdog goes, I can't believe I'm doing it, but just thinking about it, I, I – I can't deviate away from it. That's why I initially wrote the commanders down. Cause I was like, Oh, I kind of looking at the ones the way they sit. I didn't want to do it. But the other one that I'm looking at that I think has some chance here to go is Denver Broncos. Oh man. I knew he was going to say it. <laughs> I, knew, I knew he was going to say it, man. I do. The one thing like, you know, it's, and I ain't going to be rooting for him, you know, by any means necessary like that. But the Jaguars have been a team that's just really fizzled out lately. Mm-hmm. And, and the Denver Broncos, the one thing we can say about them, we, uh, I'm enjoying watching the, the, the toiling in, in how bad they've been lately and all the discombobulation here. But this is an honest game where we could be looking at Hackett to honestly be on the hot seat if they lose. Mm-hmm. And this is a game where now they're going to be going to a neutral field to play. This is the London game this weekend. So you get Jacksonville, who's favored by three, going into this matchup against the Denver defense. That has actually been really good as as, wow, much, as much as I like, you know, I'd say it like mm-hmm. their issues are clearly and squarely on the disconnect from the head coach to the offense, the play calling, the efficiency of Russ, all those things. That's where it relies. That defense is still keeping them alive in any game that they're alive in with when it's they've had close losses and close wins. The defense has mostly stepped up and handled their thing. And so against an offense in Jacksonville that is now losing a sustaining factor, which James Robinson was. They were able to establish Travis Etienne last week against the Giants to a pretty solid degree. He looked nice, but I just still don't have enough confidence in them going against the defense as solid as Broncos, the Broncos have been to be able to warrant three points in a London game. So go ahead and give me the Broncos in this one. Ideally, I would like them to cover the three and still take that L. So let's go ahead and put it at Jacksonville 20, Denver 19. That, that would just be a dream scenario cover but still take the l yep and keep separating themselves to the doldrums of the afc west all right corday who you got okay so the team i was looking at i was staring at like staring at hard uh i'm gonna go with carolina panthers over the Atlanta falcons man mm, okay. uh because i look at it uh even though they trade away uh cmc mm. trade away robert anderson that i feel like the win last week will definitely help and this is the division rivalry game too and we we know that uh, we feel a certain way about the Falcons on this podcast, but I still think the Carolina Panthers is still way more talented. Like that defense has a lot more talent on it than the Falcons, and just like a lot more talent 
all around on the Panthers versus uh, uh, versus the Atlanta Falcons. Like uh, <laughs> the two players or the two best players who I think is on this Atlanta Falcons offense aren't being u- utilized in um, in, uh Drake London and Kyle Pitts. So it's like you have these two guys on this team, but you're not even utilizing them anyway. And I think the Chuba, Hutter, Chuba Hubbard and Devontae Foreman, and I like P.J. Walker too. Uh, and I got D.J. Moore over there who um, has already said that they won't trade him. Brian Burns, uh, right after um, I heard he was like in or they were open to shop certain players, but Adam Schefter reported uh, that they that the Panthers turned down two first-round picks for a Brian Burns. I'm just like, really? Yeah, I'm like, you turned down two first-round picks for Brian Burns. I'm like, that's crazy. Well, what the hell you got to give up to get him? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's crazy to me. Yeah, and I'm like that. That's it. That to me seems uh like a Steve, a Steve Wilkes kind of a call uh because. Two first round picks, man. It's still two first round picks, and it's. I've been on Brian. Like I've talked about Brian Burns on this show. That's my dude. Yeah. His ghost move. I, I've I've you know talked about that before. But hey, two firsts. Two firsts, man. Yeah. He's he's not like, the best pass rusher in the league. <laughs> Say it. I'm like I was. I remember I was on the uh, the page. Shout, uh, shout out to SSAW, and I was like, man, I feel like Brian Burns is probably like an eight to maybe a ninth, maybe a ten sack kind of a guy, but. He's not the, the greatest of pass rushers where he'll get you like double digit sacks every year, like a 12 to 15 sacks. He's not that type of echelon. I'm like, yeah. And, and two first round picks, man, I'm still like, especially because you guys are really rebuilding and you, right. you have a hit on certain guys. So that will definitely help you on top of the second, third and fourth round pick you got for Christian McCaffrey. So I'm kind of like, that's a that's a haul for you guys, you know. If you really doing pretty well towards the top of the draft with exactly. their defensive picks between J.C. Horn, Jeremy yeah. Chin was a second rounder, Burns was one of their first rounders, Derek Brown, like yeah. those guys have been panning out well. So I mean, and it's not like like he's good again, but he's just he's not he's not like like number one with a bullet, like you know, set it, forget it, defensive MVP, all that stuff. He ain't that. So that's crazy to me. I didn't know that. And then yeah, and then though they, I believe they have the the uh, first overall pick. Well, no, because they won, so I don't think they have the uh, the number one overall pick. But they well, did last end up getting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm like, all right, if you have a first round pick and especially the number one overall, and you get another one, let's say you might be able to get uh, Willie Anderson Jr. to replace him with, or just another dope pass rusher that's coming in the draft from that other first round pick, and then you have another first round pick the next year too. Man, I'm sorry, Brian Burns, but you gone, man. Like, I can't, like, I can't. Uh, that I, that was still crazy to me that Adam Schefter reported that, but and they turned it down. So I'm wondering, all right, how how far down the, the uh, like how late was this team picking? Like, was it like who was it that offered up two first round picks? Was it like a was it like a Eagles or something like that? That like it probably wouldn't be a good playoff contention or just give up those like few first round picks or something like that. I'm like. No, nah, I would have definitely took that. But uh, yeah, I got Carolina uh, joining together. And Steve Wilkes still is a good coach, even though he only had the one-year uh, fiasco. Why don't we say fiasco? He just got fired. He only had one year with Josh Rosen as his quarterback and Sam Bradford, and then was fired. So Wilkes is still a, a high-character guy, a, a dope coach, and still people say a lot of great things about him. So I'm going to go Carolina Panthers over the Atlanta Falcons. Um, it's like 21-17. to 17. 
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was the Week 8 preview show from the Cover Zero podcast. Tune into the Thursday night game tonight as you are listening to it. You know, everybody knows that we record our previews on the Tuesday. Subscribe to the pod. Follow us on the socials. We will get at you on Monday morning to recap this Week 8 action. Peace.